This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and tonight, well tonight, I get to review the final game of the season. A 2-0 Palace win against West Bromwich Albion at Selhurst Park. Roy and the boys sending the guy, everybody home. And it's the guys, but it's, you know, football, it's, it's not only is it, uh, it's multi-sex, multi-faith, multicultural these days, isn't it guys? So, you know, can't just say guys anymore. <laughs> I might have to redo that intro <laughs> Not gone well. Not gone yeah, well. I'll, I'll, I'll do that one again if I were you, man. You reckon? Um, I thought I'd yeah. come place as well. I, I did sort of. I mean, I didn't get into the the specifics of each category, did I? Um, and I've not judged anyone, Mike. So I might go with it. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, after your behaviour on the Love Sports Show <laughs> the other week, you can't tell me what to do about anything. I'm talking about the names of. Grop magazines. <laughs> Unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do. Anyway, anyway. So, <laughs> um, sorry it's not a live show, but, uh, you know, obviously a very, very busy day. I'll uh, introduce my, to my panel right now. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, so with me I have Mr. Mike Scott. Evening. Good evening, as I said in my uh, smooth intro there. Interesting uh, interesting experience for you and I during the week where I think you possibly have cost poor Aaron his job at Love Sport. Yeah, well, you know, you, you get carried away with these things and before you know <laughs> it, you've, you've managed to upset Ofcom. Uh, yeah. It happens, yeah. Yeah, unlike me the previous week, when I managed to drop my swear before it went out on air. Unfortunately, everything you said did go out on air. But anyway, <laughs> that's Mike. That's Mike. <laughs> and we've also got Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How do? How do? This is your second attempt at a show, isn't it? Sure. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we've got a, you know, we haven't, we haven't prepared a huge amount today, but uh, obviously it would be a joyous occasion to be talking about the Palace ending with a third win in a row. And, Really can't wait to, uh, well, can't wait to talk about it. However, before I do that, 
Mikey, cue the sad music. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm in a position, unfortunately, I didn't expect to be in where I'm going to announce to you that uh, next week we are recording a, a special end of season show at the beer festival. Uh, that's good. That's good news. Uh, but the bad news is it will be the final ever Homestale radio show. Uh, no more Homestale radio. It's, uh, it's gone as far as it's going to go. So, um, yeah, stick with us on all the social media accounts. And obviously, we'll talk more about the end of Homestale radio uh, next week in that show. So, end of sad music. Guys, you know, <laughs> you're, you're new people. You haven't been here for seven years, and now you've got a got to review a, a match after that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's I'm partly responsible for its demise. Well, you're almost entirely responsible for it, I think. Fair enough. <laughs> right, so Jamie and Mike, uh, lovely, glorious day in the Selhurst Sun today. Only change in the game was obviously uh, the injured Joe Ward being replaced by Aaron Wambasaka. A lot of people talked before the game about whether or not we would see um, any kind of experimentational side from Roy or, you know, a bit of sentiment throwing in Spironi or something like that. But, um, you know, not nothing like that happened, Mike. So I suppose we shouldn't be surprised. Roy likes to pick a consistent side. Shown sentiment doesn't play that much of a part, um, you know. So I suppose, was it what you expected? Uh, I, I was expecting the same lineup again. I think he did get a bit sentimental when it went two nil. Um, uh, surely Chun Yun Lee is, is was sentimentality. I mean, there's no need for Chungi to come on unless well, and obviously Suave as well. But yeah. you know, um, I, I think I think he did it right. You know, they they, they made sure they had the, the two nil advantage, and then he and then he let it go a little bit. Um, before that, I thought. Uh, it was starting to backfire a little bit. He played the same the same lineup, and it, it had the kind of staleness that the Watford game did on the start of the Stoke game. So I, I think people were starting to think, "Oh, this is a little bit like a last day of the season. Nobody's too bothered," kind of thing. Yeah, that that real feel at the at the start of it. Jamie, yourself, were you any disappointment in the lineup, or were you were you happy to give you know Roy's dues? Yeah, no disappointment really. Um, I didn't want him just to play people just for the sake of it and possibly lose our last home game of the season. It's nice to finish with a win, a bit of a party at the end. I think it would have taken a little bit if we had lost to West Brom. So, yeah, no complaints. Aram's right back in again. Hey, you sort of cut out there, Jamie. Are you still there? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Good. Yeah, yeah. I think you, the, the words I heard were right back and I think we obviously you're getting into territory I wanted to talk about immediately, which was... Obviously, the return of, of Aaron Wan-Bissaka just had a great, great game, didn't he? He's just perfect, isn't he? He's um he's a perfect mould of a Palace player, isn't he? He's what he wants. And he's brilliant at going forward. And he loves a slide tackle. Just loves a slide oh, tackle. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, all t- they're always timed perfectly. They're always timed perfectly. I mean, I just love him. I think he's great. And next year, he's, he has to be uh, right back next year. Saves a lot of money buying one. Yeah, it really does, and you know, like you say, the, the number of slide tackles is is brilliant. But uh, it's his recovery, everything about his game, really, and it was really good, Mike, to see Roy 
after the game say that both fullbacks were great and yes PVA got the goal but you really have to take a look at Wampasaka as well so it, you know Roy is singing his virtues too yeah I mean it was great he had he had the better of, of McLean um for the first half it was about three or four excellent sliding tackles and he did not I think he let one cross go through at the start of the second half and that was it um, absolutely flawless and for the, for the best part of first hour I thought he was the best player on the pitch yeah absolutely right and as you say it was a it was a fairly sort of sedate first half really um, it looked like two teams relatively going through the motions and as you were hinting Mark it was a, a lot of it was to do with the fact that West Brom had looked at clearly looked at the last few games we played and they'd noticed how you know effective it was uh, with the way Stoke and the way Watford played against our front two for spells, but um, what we've noticed over the last few games is it doesn't work all game. Yeah. You can keep us relatively quiet, but as we build up ahead of steam and that passing gets that little bit sharper, I think that's really what it was. You look at the first half and I think the passes didn't have that edge to them. They do when you're, you know, when you're playing for something, when you're playing for staying in the league or playing for pushing up the table, and there's, there's, you know, high stakes for both teams. I think everything gets that little bit sharper. I think maybe we were just that little bit too relaxed in the first half, but we did create and um, Wilf unlucky not to score with, with, with one chance that Foster saved with his legs, I think. Oh, that was it. Yeah, it was a great stop. It was, it was a nice move. It was um, MacArthur that was involved in that, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, I I thought he was pretty unlucky not to slot that away. Um, And that was, as far as I remember, the best chance of the first half. I think West Brom had... One decent shot that um, dragged wide, but other than that, that was that was literally the only thing that looked like it might go in. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There was one long range shot from. Um, oh, I went to pronounce it. And it's an almost unpronounceable name, isn't it? Pogromriak or whatever it was. Yeah, that, what, one of one of the guys that was making up their back central seven at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. Is that fair, Jamie? Was it a back back seven we were playing against? I think it was at times. I think Moore was definitely. Uh, built his relative success at West Brom in that short period on, on the defence. I mean, I, I saw quite a lot of times in the game, their whole team in their half. I mean, if it was a game possession, we killed them the first half. If it was possession, we just couldn't find that next level. But yeah, it's because they were so deep and we couldn't get anything going in any gaps. There was no gaps. And I mean, West Brom under Darren Moore have just gone back to what they're good at, haven't they? They've gone back to being defensively, don't concede. They've done it against Spurs. They nick a goal from a set piece, a dodgy corner or a deflected corner or whatever. And um, that's basically done with us, eh? Staff for us all first off. Yeah, and you're right. And going back to what they're good at as well also includes the dark arts of uh, kicking people off the ball when the ref's not looking. Particularly Wilf getting a few nasty little uh, kicks from uh, from Dawson, I noticed throughout the course of the game uh, and looked to cut a very frustrated figure in the first half. Um, and I did, I did kind of fear for Palace at that stage. You had, um, you kind of had that feeling that we needed needed to get Benteke on the pitch and have a bit of a battering ram or something to give the full, sorry, the centre backs something to look at. But you know, say this has been a a constant over the last few weeks when we've talked about Palace. We've I've felt like this, and then I've been proven wrong because what the team have managed to do is just build up a head of steam. They've started this possession and they start to build up speed and start to pass it quicker and quicker and quicker and then the one touch passing and movement that's what's starting to take teams out and Mike we joked about this uh, in the week at Love Sport and we've joked about it um, I think on a few other shows as well where we're actually starting to play this fast one touch pass and move football that that 
kind of Frank De Boer promised, and, and it's Roy that's achieved it. Yeah, I, it, I think the great thing about it, the reason why that it's working the way it is in the second half, is that there is a, a decent amount of possession, um, and it is meaning that the opposition, um, and if you think that we're talking about Watford, Stoke and West Brom, so we're talking about sides that have been struggling towards the end of the season. Um, they've been chasing shadows a fair bit. So towards the end of the game, they have been a bit more knackered, a bit more stretched. Uh, and that's allowed uh, the more creative players to get a bit more space and, and get some chances down down the flanks. So I'm not sure that De Boer would have tried to, to play the long game. He would have tried the passing, the passing move from minute one. But um, Hodgson's worked out that patience... Does does see out and and by seventy minutes when everyone's knackered that kind of tactic does work. Yeah, it really does, and we we do have the the players to to play it, which is kind of exactly what we thought we didn't have yeah. at the start of the season. It does show you, and uh, and obviously Jamie, we're talking about this. You know, we're we're building up up ahead of steam and playing so well. And Roy kind of tongue in cheek at the end of the game as part of his his speech was saying, you know. Uh, okay, you know, you've stuck with us when you haven't seen us play as well as we have in the last few weeks. But then he started to talk about the future. And he was kind of half joking, I think, but he talked about some of the football we're playing being top half. And then he sort of said, well, top of the top half. Um, so are we going to win the league next season? Yes. <laughs> That's all it. That's it. <laughs> end, end of show. The thing is, you've got to think about it, okay? Our, every single person would be would be silly to say that our squad isn't good enough to finish much higher and play much better than we have previously. We finished really well, to be honest. But I don't think, I don't think having, I think look at Burnley this year. I think if, if everybody below Burnley can aim to do a Burnley, I think everyone, everyone would be happy. Do you know what I mean? If Watford could do that next year or if uh, Leicester does that again, I think everyone below the top six now, if you can finish that seventh place, eighth place, it's a brilliant season. It's not, it's not completely impossible. Yeah, you, you're effectively you're winning the second league in the league, aren't you? You're winning the outside of the top six. You're winning the you know your top of the league kind of thing. Um, and a, you're quite kind of what you said. You every team will look at Burnley and say, "Well, if they can do it with that squad, there's no reason we can't." And we're certainly a team that you know. You look at it this season. If you think about the way we've played under Roy, in, and in particular the last couple of months or so, which has been really really good to watch. You know, the, the teams that finished above us, you know, obviously you've got Newcastle who finished above us on, on goal difference. You know, and I think it's fair to say, you know, I think we're a better team than they are. And then you look look beyond that and you've got Leicester, Everton and, and Burnley. And you think, okay, we're, 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 you know, we're not, you wouldn't look at any of those teams and say that they're definitely better than us. Obviously, Leicester have a, a certain pedigree from their their uh, title winning season. But, you know, that was that was a kind of a one-off. Um, so you know, I, I look at that and I know exactly what Roy's getting at. But you also look and think, you know, listen, why why can't we have ambitions to sort of, to even push a bit further than that? But I guess, Mike, important not to get ahead of yourself. Yeah, I mean, it would be great to <clears throat> finish nice and high. But next season, first off, I'd just like to go nine months without my life expectancy being shortened through panic and worry that. Palace are going to get relegated. That, that, you know, that would be nice. Um, I'd just like to know that, that we're going to be all right, really. That's, that's the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm worried about. Um, 
Uh, it's ended up finished 11th goal difference behind Newcastle by like two goals um, it's ended up pretty stable in the end but next season if if you could just think we're not going to get relegated for the whole season I'll be a happy man definitely definitely although we you know we always like to have something exciting going on don't we so well, maybe t- cup run eh? well, t- today it it wasn't so much excitement. It was it was it was a bit of emotion. Like uh, when the when the HF put that banner up about Hodgson, well, those three banners up, um, and then and then he clapped everyone, and a little bit a little tear came to my eye. And then when he came out, clapped everyone before the lap of honour and made the speech, another tear came to my <laughs> eye, and then Motty as well. And I was like, oh, this is too much. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I know what you mean. Whereas my my classic. Uh... The explanation is during those periods of time, I believe that the pollen count went up and I had a really bad hay fever problem. Yeah, and yeah. that's what the water around my eyes was. Um, Jamie, enough. did you get hay fever during those periods? Uh, sniffles. <laughs> sniffles. You have to admit, it's nice to see. And I bet Roy really appreciates Well, you've got to appreciate him as well. I bet, I, it was lovely to see. Yeah, I, I have. To, I know. Obviously, hats off again to the HF. I mean, the banner, you know, with the, you know the picture of Roy in particular. That it's just you know everything, you know everything that our club is about, isn't it? And I think you know we got to take a lot of pride in the fact that that the players and management staff um, are all so keen to acknowledge it. You know, it's not it's not a gimmick. A lot of sort of other clubs kind of accuse us of having this orchestrated support, and it's. It really isn't orchestrated at all, you know. Well, obviously the the HF over Capo and what have you, but that's that's not the club orchestrating support. It's it's fans choosing to organise themselves. But you know, I think I think we're much more than that as well. It's uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a real uplifting end to the season because you you know you go back, guys, and you think you know this. I suppose this sort of chats more for for next week, so we won't dull on it too much. But you go back to the start of the year and you think how difficult it was at times, and how tough it was, and I'm sure, like many of Many other fans, I was kind of. I had stages where I just wouldn't go on social media, wouldn't go on any message boards or anything like that because I just couldn't bear reading the uh, the sort of hyperbole and the negativity. And you know, everyone had a right to be worried because we, we were in trouble. But um, it, it just felt that little bit too much at times. And to to end it like this, it, it feels a million miles away from from where we were, which is great. Um, but yeah, let's not dwell on that. Let's talk about the fact that second half we came out um, and just just up the ante that little bit more. Uh, it didn't took until the seventieth minute though. We were threatening a few times. There was you know a couple of little opportunities um, that came our way. I think Zaha missing um, one fairly good chance from a cutback from PVA and uh, just sort of slid it wide. But um, got another chance, almost carbon copy, Mike and. and just slotted it home and you can see on his face what it means to him. Now, if you think if he hadn't got injured for those 10 games, he probably at this rate would have added maybe at least another three or four goals to that. And he would have been sort of, you know, 12, 13, maybe even 14 goals for the season. Is he, you know, is he, is he now, he's now a striker, isn't he? Right. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I, I very much doubt he'd be too worried about the, the personal stats and how many goals he gets himself. Um, and and a lot of the goals he's got this season have been um, decent team efforts, or at least uh, they've involved uh, a, a really decent setup from another player. Like the PVA set up today, first of all for the one he hit wide, and then for the goal, um, they were both they were both excellent. And then between those two, uh, him and Andros played a one-two, totally splitting their defence apart. Where Andros then uh, sort of 
scuffed it wide when it seems like he, there was no way he was going to miss. Um, yeah. And he was down on the floor, like couldn't believe it. Um, but Zahar, Zahar's always involved in those moves. Not not always. They're really, uh, you know, a one person thing. You know, there's always someone else doing something great, but he's always part of it. And I'm not sure you can. He's more than a striker. He's he's the creativity and all the forward momentum, really. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you mean. You're right. He's more than a striker. I mean, I suppose what I'm getting at is the you know the fact that he's playing. You know, for him and Andros are playing up top. You start. You're starting to see. Although, as you say, his stats don't tell you everything, but you're starting to see from the stats that he is contributing yeah. to that that final phase of play, if you like. Yeah, well, I, I was just listening to um, Talksport before I came on here, and uh, Dean Saunders, who I, I don't always uh, find myself nodding along to, um, it, he, he said that his opinion was early in the season that Hodgson was only going to keep Palace up if he got Ben Teke scoring, if he got you know fifteen goals this season. Obviously, that hasn't happened, um, but those the difference for him getting up to those fifteen has been sorted by Zaha. So, you know, Hodgson getting. Zahar taking that that spot. It's, it's a bit of genius, really, isn't it? Absolutely right. And you mentioned there the um, you know the, the way the goals are coming together. They're more of a team effort. Obviously, the second very much the same. Um, and yet again, it's Patrick van Arnholt, Jamie, who's who's got in the end of it. He just he just doesn't care, does he? He'll play where he wants. You know, <laughs> if he wants to decide to want to be a striker for two minutes, he'll be a striker for two minutes. And you know, that's I think fifth Premier League goal of the season. But I think it was what's that? That's three in a row now. Um, it's very difficult to defend against, isn't it? And it's—I don't necessarily know if it's planned, but it, well, I suppose it must be now. It happens so often. But you know, a bit of a word for PVA there. Well, he must be—he must be given the freedom to do that because he is at sometimes the most forward player, and he's meant to be our left back. To be fair, it's the better side of his game. Um, I mean, I can't believe the transformation he has had. I mean, he's helped. It helps with his social media because he, he comes across like a great bloke, and obviously that makes the fans feel better. And then when you start putting performance in as well and scoring goals, and he's not being like analysed for major mistakes he's making, or he's not dwelling on the ball, or he's not missing his marker so much. I think he just he's turned into the last the last couple of months. He's turned into one of the best left-backs in the league because he offers you such an attacking threat. When the, when the defence are trying to mark Saha and they're trying to see where Townsend's running, now they've got to see where our left-back's running. And when when wan on the pitch, you've got to see where he is as well. So, yeah, Van Holt, massively turning his season around. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a good football brain to know when to do that and when not to do it. Um, it it's very, very impressive. Mike? Yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed just towards the end of the game after Suarez had come on. Um, you know, it's... it's Playing a decent, decent few minutes of football. Um, you know, it's great that he got on. Sahar was just breaking uh, down down the middle, and he played a nice ball to Suarez, and then he was hoping for a one-two, and he, he didn't press on, and he, he looked at him for a minute, and he was sort of like, "Well, why aren't you running?" And then I think it sort of got to him, and he was like, "Hold on, you're you're not Patrick Van Onhoek. Like, you're, you're not going to be running down to the byline." <laughs> Um, and and you wonder how much he's like benefited the other players by by just offering the kind of thing that maybe no one else has offered whilst they've been at the club. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I don't know who else would would perhaps be as daring as he is because there's yeah. been a couple of things. I, was, I mean, I was looking back at the, the the Stoke game again during the week. Yes, I am that boring, and I do watch entire games over <laughs> and over and over. But, um, there was a moment actually in the. Uh, 
just before he scored where he's he's gone diving in to try and intercept the ball, missed it, and actually got really caught out. But it's noticeable how quick the midfield cover, and I think it was actually Luca who dropped into the left-back position, which allowed PVA the kind of luxury of sort of jogging back from being out of position. And I think mm. now the now I think that's that's where we've made that little shift. I think before I think before really he was getting caught out of position and not coming back and didn't really have enough cover. I think the kind of management team have kind of sort of accepted that that's his natural game and, and adjusted slightly to, to cover for it. And it's that's you know, that's a that's when football's a proper team game. When someone is out of position you do cover and you you know, you accept that. We're just reaping the rewards of it. It's, you know, it's it's been a been a, an incredible turnaround like you say jamie it's, it really has and um yeah it's been been great to see so you know we haven't got too much more to talk about so one of the things i like to do at the end of the season is see what people decided to read into the lap of honor or anything like that so guys i don't know if you were paying too much attention i didn't spot anything of real note so you're looking for is wilf crying because it's his last game for palace was Kabai waving and giving giving his shirt away and giving his boots away was uh who, who was looking like they're off Anyone? Uh, um, uh, I, I, I was worried about Zaha because he was he was sort of standing off everyone and not really doing anything. After raging about the the rumours this morning about well Chelsea, Man City, everyone. Um, so I was like, why is he not? Why is he not coming up and speaking speaking to the HF? Um, but he's he's come out on the website, made a statement saying he's perfectly happy and he wants to stay and stuff. So yeah. um, I don't feel too bad about him. I thought um, there was a couple of uh, hugs for Kabai that were kind of a little bit uh, a little bit emotionally charged, and I wondered if that meant anything. And then his speech afterwards, I don't know if you've seen it on Palace TV yet, but they said, you know, what's your plans over the summer? And he's like, oh, I'll speak to my agent. And it's like, yeah, I, I think he would have been a bit more. Uh, straight down the line, if he thought he was going to stay, yeah, that, uh, that's that's the that's the one that I'm slightly suspect of for sure. Yeah. I know we, I know we have open talks, and um, I really do hope that we can convince him to stay. But I think Roy was um, quoted in the in the press during the week saying, you know, he knows a player like Abai will have plenty of options. Um, yeah. So, anything anything to add, Jamie? Anyone that you spotted? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, not really. I mean, Loftus Cheek gave his shirt away, didn't he? Before they all yeah. came back out. Um, and he's. I, I've just seen on Twitter what he posted about saying thank you. So, I mean, I don't think. I, I don't think we'll be able to get, get him. And Roy keeps saying as well. Roy has said a couple of times now. Um, we're going to lose a couple of key players. Yeah. One of them could be Loftus, to be fair. But 
there's there's someone else in there. And I mean, Kabai has been rumoured for ages that he's that he wants to go back to France, maybe and stuff like that. So I think he would have signed if he wanted to stay. But nothing nothing majorly of note that I've noticed anybody properly saying properly saying goodbye sort of thing. No, that's that's what I thought as well. I, I would have expected more from Kabai if he was definitely off. So I'm clinging to the there might be a possibility that it was kind of potentially I'm off. You never know. <laughs> They've said that they've started contract talks. If yeah, he had, yeah. I'm off, they wouldn't be doing that, surely. No, exactly. Um, and, you know, obviously you mentioned Loftus-Cheek. I think everyone expects, because Chelsea are obviously extremely likely to change their manager. I think everyone expects um, them to make any kind of, whatever, they, whatever call they're going to make on his future. And obviously he has a big big part to, to sort of say in that, because he's not going to want to he's now played a full premier league season okay obviously with with injuries and what have you um but he's played pretty much a full season for the first time i mean he's 22 so he's not going to want to go back to being a bit part player at chelsea he's going to want some sort of guarantees so i mean jamie you're saying you're going to be loaned out again for sure i don't know we'll see what if he has a great world cup who knows chelsea will make a decision one way or another either cash in on him now or take that extra season and loan him out but i you know, I hope for his sake that they give him a chance, really. But I say that, I don't really. I hope that they sell him to us. <laughs> That's what I really hope uh, for a reasonable fee. Um, no, it's a tough one. But also, so we did have some, some definite uh, goodbyes, of course. Um, I think people like, you know, Chungy is probably a definite goodbye, but I don't think we're going to pay a, a huge amount of attention to that. Although I don't think he's ever, other than under Pardew, where he actually came out and had a moan. I think other than that, he's been praised for his attitude. But Damo was uh, was an emotional one today. I had a bit to say uh, in, in, down in front of the HF, Mike. Um, what you know? What does what does Damo's spell at Palace mean to you? Yeah, it was, it, it was a really it was a really great speech, and it was it was classically understated, wasn't it? It sort of sounded really grateful, uh, and then he said he never expected to be in that position. Um, to, to me, he's, he represents the, the grittiness that made Palace stay up um, in the first place after the, the, this particular um, push back up to the Premiership. Um, and he, he represents everything that Palace, Palace were before they could start spending thousands and thousands and thousands on wages every week. Um, and it's, it's great that they gave him a little speech with the HF and stuff. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Sure. And, and Jamie, it's a bit emotional to see, see him going. It's always sad, but he's it's probably fair to say he's come on kind of <laughs> hung on with Palace a lot longer than we thought he would and certainly longer than he thought he would. I mean, all players have ha, have a sell-by day, don't they? They all go past it a little bit. He, what, what he's done and what he's come from, I'm sure he was something like a left-back at Ipswich or something like that. And I'm sure he's released or something. And for us to pick him up, turn him into a centre-back and then a centre-back in the Premier League. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, let's be fair, you know, you're right, he was playing left-back at, at Ipswich. He played centre-back and left-back sort of throughout his career anyway. But it was more, as you say, he wasn't... wasn't he wasn't actually... Well, he was released by Ipswich to go to us. Um, but it was the fact that he was actually about to quit football. You know, that's that's the thing. He exactly. had absolutely... So that's what he said. He said yeah. have done a lot for him as well as he's done a lot for us. But... Yeah. There's always going to be sour bits, and he's he isn't good enough for the Premier League anymore. But you, but that, that doesn't stop what he's done for the club previously. So I think a brilliant, brilliant send off for him. Oh, absolutely right, and you know we've we heard when we a few years back when we interviewed Dougie, we heard Dougie's side of the um, 
of the way he convinced, <laughs> as I convinced, uh, sort of cajoled uh, Delaney to come and to come play for Palace, which was just said, "I'll oh, just come and train with us. I need, I need someone around the training ground just to lift a few people. Come and have a little go. I'll oh, just, you know, then it was just just uh, have a little contract to play for for a couple of games. We we'll just chuck you in for a couple of games, and you know, he ends up playing the first game. Um, you know, against I think it was Sheffield Wednesday we played, and actually, and that's the first game we'd won in ages. Uh, and then just all of a sudden, he just became that mainstay of, of the Palace team. And we, you know, there's so many iconic moments involving him. And I know he he posted the picture of him at the playoff win, and that's that's one of my favourite Palace pictures of, of all time. Is you know the champagne going everywhere, and him just in front of the barriers, in front of the whole team, just arms outstretched on his knees, just screaming his head off. And that's that you know that shows you everything about a player like Damien Delaney, who just bought into everything. He was the perfect player for us at the perfect moment and just gave absolutely everything he had every game. And, you know, you look around at some of the players we've seen go through the club in the Premier League and it's to their to their shame and his credit that they can't match his effort and determination even for even, a you know, a couple of weeks and he's done it for years for us. So absolute hero will go down as a absolute legend for Palace. Uh, and great to see him saying, obviously, he's, he's a Palace fan for life as well. I'm sure we'll see him about the ground and good luck with whatever he does next. Oh, I've got, I've got a little teary there as well. A little bit of hay fever. Yeah, yeah me too. Stirring, stirring speech. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, <laughs> what else was I going to say? Uh, yeah, Roy hay fever kicking in again. Say that again, sorry? Said hay fever kicking in again. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I've got some, uh, got some Puritan to take. That might help. But, um, yeah, and obviously Roy also got that moment right at the end of the game. And I think a typically measured speech from Roy. So he's, he's a man who's in control of his emotions. There was no tears from him, but um, but he certainly gave, gave his, his thanks came across, um, you know, strongly. And I suppose, you know, Mike, you know, he, he gave us a pretty strong, clear message of what to hope for next season. You know, inspiring in some ways, but the club have got to back him, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um the first thing, the, there's, there's two speeches now I've heard from him in the last few days where he's categorically talked about him uh, and the fans next season. So that that was good. That 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 was that was enough for me to not worry too much about what players are leaving because I knew that Hodgson wasn't. Um, after that, it was it was the kind of speech that you, you kind of expected. You knew exactly what he was going to say. Management speech, you know, he knew what buttons to press to get everyone clapping and stuff. He knew how long to leave the gaps and. The, the silence for the claps. It, it was perfect. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's a season pro, isn't he? Um, but he he didn't talk too much about uh, being backed or, or money or anything like that. It was just about thanking the fans and, and I like the humility of it. Yeah, definitely. And going away from from Roy's comments, um, and going back to something I said a little bit earlier on, Jamie, when we're talking about perhaps the way a... It always feels like a, it was a it was a lot of people, but it's probably only forty or fifty people on social media and message boards and stuff. But people, you know, really laying into to the board and to Steve Parrish earlier on in the season. Uh, and you look at where we are, where we finished, and what we've done, and the decisions that were taken and mistakes that were corrected. And you know, this is what well, technically our third best finish in the Premier League ever. So you know, you know, what's if you were to sort of say to Steve Parrish or and uh, now and grade his season. How has he done as a as a chairman? 
first of all, we sort of need to get to a stage where we stop having to fix it. That's the problem in it. We have to keep fixing situations we put ourselves in. But I mean, it also takes a brave man to admit an error and to fix it. So making mistakes not great in the first place, but he has he has made the right decisions, isn't he, over the past few seasons to get it right at an important stage. This year he would have been he was openly mocked throughout football for for getting rid of Debu for how early it was and everything, and it turns out. It's, it's, it, you never really know, but it turns out it's probably a good, probably a good decision, wasn't it? Well, so, it, was a, it was a masterstroke, really, when you look at what's changed. You could argue that you don't know what would happen. You don't that you don't know that De Boer wouldn't have turned it round. But I would say, from his point of view, he knows what's going on inside his club, and it, the chances are he knew how serious it was to make that call so early. You know what really really annoys me is every single pundit and professional was saying. You can't do it after four games and after four games. I think I think I heard Parrish say um, something about it wasn't four games. It was like three months. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously it's behind the scenes. It's training. It's what players are saying. It's not just four games. So he knew that he'd probably get openly such criticism for, for doing it that quickly. But he knew something was wrong. He fixed it. He bring in somebody who won over the fans straight away in his first interview saying he's a London boy and he'd tug at the heartstrings of all the fans. He says the right things, gets all the players on side. So it would be nice not to have to keep fixing things. That's the first aim, stop Great. fixing things. But but you have to give Parrish credit. He's he's made the right tough choices at the right time, doesn't he? De- definitely, definitely. Um, Mike, your, your views? I don't know if you're one who, who expressed frustration or admiration either way in those tough times, but you know your views on... on the chairman and his job he's done this season. I've, I've been, my, my mind was suddenly taken over to another 5-4 game, Barcelona a 5-4, sorry, I was just, <laughs> what's, that's the second one today. Um, yeah, I, I, he, I think he, he, he came out and said, I made a really bad decision at the start of the season and I really respected him for that. Um, I don't think anything will make me laugh as much as the, the video the guy put up on YouTube. Um, uh, the guy who does the the little like South Park style videos, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, that, yeah. It, it, his mistake with De Boer. Um, uh, I watched that again whenever, uh, every once in a while, and I think he's, he he learned his lesson from that. And it's been it's been pretty plain sailing. I, I think the only the only slight blot on his coffee book was was the January transfer window. Um, I think it, they could have been a little bit more honest, and they could have said, "We you know we're not going to spend a lot of money here," rather than persuading us all that they'd bought a couple of prodigies that now we know at the end of the season haven't you know haven't even been barely on the bench um I I, I, I'm sure Yak will end up um will end up being involved in the team in the future but I doubt Rakip's going to stay um and you think well you could have given us a little bit more credit there everything else he's done I think you can't fault him for yeah, I mean, it depends again. It depends what um, what exactly happened in January. I've, yeah. Again, I've heard heard a few things, and you know, again, unless you're sitting in the room with them, you exactly. don't necessarily know what's true and what isn't. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, Absolutely. certainly, I believe that the club thought they had a lot more sorted than they did, um, and they made a couple of calls made made on a couple of beliefs that think something was going to happen. So certain people were sent back and all this sort of stuff. Mm. I mean, we saw people arriving at the training ground. We know what it was like. It was Ibrahim Amadou turned up at the training ground and had to go back home um, in the end. 
I believe there was a Turkish midfielder who had a similar situation as well because the decisions were made. But ultimately, you know, we didn't get any of the players that, that we actually targeted for the first team. Well, and we ended up in a position of having to sort of announce two um, sort of, should we say, speculative signings as our main signings, which was a, it's ended up a bit of a shocker, really. It, it wouldn't have even, I don't think that would have bothered me either. And we did end up with, with Serlo. It, it was just that the kind of slight... Um, Take, taking the situation and trying to spin it as something else. Um, but it's a really minor thing. And, and essentially, yeah. we still end up with a, a really decent striker who I was a little bit disappointed that didn't get more game time due to his injury for, for the second half of the season. But it, it, it wasn't the worst situation. No, certainly not. And you're right. I was a little bit disappointed not to see a bit more sell off too. But you know, hopefully next season we'll uh, we'll see him kick on and, and fight for a place. But uh, I think it also really just hits home just how much we've had to cope with, with the with the injuries that we had. And Jamie Roy was talking about the fact that you know we had we, we you know we could pretty much put an eleven out on the pitch and had real struggles with anything beyond that because of the injuries. Now, obviously, you can't sign a squad of thirty five players, but. Um, I think obviously that again that suggests that perhaps Roy wants some squad surgery rather than looking at uh, you know going out and signing any big sort of marquee type players. Well, our first eleven is good, isn't it? And yeah. everyone keeps saying that our first eleven is good. If if, if Kabaya goes, if Loftus Cheek goes, and you're replacing a couple of first teamers, but generally, I think we've needed a winger for ages, someone to come on with something different. Um, so look. You haven't really seen a lot of him, to be fair, have you? And you haven't seen... We've seen him a little bit, but not in the position he wants to play in. Yeah, exactly. So I haven't seen him a lot at all. So if we can field our strongest 11, we are... the we are, we are And it's cliche, but we are a match for any team. We will give any team a, a good run. We'll scare teams on the counter-attack and we can defend solidly. Tomkins and Sako, another clean sheet, another win. I mean, they've got, the, they've got to be the best partnership out of the, outside of the top six. Oh, um... Unbeaten in the league, I believe. I think that's. I don't know if that's this season or just forever or whenever they've played <laughs> together. But but the, when the two of them playing to play together, we just don't we don't lose. You know, win or draw. They've got to be the best partnership outside the top six. They've got to be. So our first mm-hmm. eleven is, is is a match for anybody. But you do need like today when it's not working, you can change it up or someone to come on with a bit more. I don't know, pace down Townsend's end or someone that can come on in the field that drives into the box and doesn't doesn't just look for the pass. So you do need people that can change games up. Um, but yeah, definitely just squad additions. Okay. And guys, let's just jump back to the to the West Brom game and do a final little bit of reviewing of that before we go. Apologies to anyone who heard my stomach there. Um, so who would, in terms of performances, there's a few that you know I, I might want to pick out, I guess, um, and give you the option to do the same. So one I want to mention is Townsend, who, again, I think, not, I thought, yeah, that's a real chance that you brought up, Mike. Where I think that actually is his standard foot goes just as he goes to strike the ball, which is the only reason it goes wide. Otherwise, I think he probably finishes that for a goal. But it's not necessarily having the assist or you know the, the shot, but he's involved in everything good that we do. And I just thought, energy wise, and the intelligence he plays within that position where he gets to come back off. He's not stuck out on the right flank watching them play to Wilf. He's he's able to get involved all over the pitch. And the fact that he can get in and get close to the players like Zaha, Loftus-Cheek uh, and, and Van Arnhout out on that left and sort of become an extra body in there. That's why we're playing this fast one-touch football because, you know, it, that's he's he's able to be a proper link in that, in that middle there. Um, 
So I'm really, really impressed with him. Um, Mike, anyone you want to pick out? Yeah, well, Andros would have been one. Uh, both sides of the pitch today. I'm really impressed with him. And, and when it looked as though he was going to go off as a sub for for a sub with about 20 minutes to go, I was I was quite surprised. In the end, he, he lasted until 85 minutes. I can't believe he lasted that long because he must have run about 50 miles today. He was excellent. Um, Wan-Bissaka um, was, was incredible and he was summed up towards the end. Um, he, he was fouled. I don't know if you saw this. He was fouled and he was on the floor. And <laughs> he, he, he then sort of, he did like a, what can I describe as like a fish dive. Like he was still on the floor and then like jumped up to try and head the ball out of uh, out of someone's feet. Yeah, I looked at, that's, that's the worm, isn't it? It's the breakdown yeah. move, the worm, where you yeah. jump up with your stomach. And try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that that was excellent. And and that, that summed, his, summed his day up because he, he put everything in. Um, he didn't get forward perhaps as much as he has in other games, um, which is surprising because, you know, West Brom weren't offering a great deal, but um, didn't need to because the majority of the issues were coming down the other flank. But in the first half, when there was some pressure down his half, you know, he was absolutely excellent. Um, Loftus-Cheek again created a lot. Um, I think Loftus-Cheek and, and Townsend between them made up for the fact that Zaha had a very, very quiet first half. Um, and they, they created a lot between them. Um, and Luca as well. Um, he, he had an absolutely excellent game. As you always okay. do. I mean, you might as well not even say that because it yeah, just yeah. happens every game. Okay. Jamie, anyone you want to pick out? Uh, Tompkins, actually. I thought he was, again, brilliant. Won so many aerial battles. He's He looks just better and better on the ball every single week. Uh, I don't know if Saka makes him calmer because he knows no matter what he does, he won't look as dangerous when Saka's on the ball. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I just, I just really, really, really can't believe we signed him for ten million. I mean, Townsend's looking good for what twelve million, whatever he was. Yeah. We've uh, Luca twelve million, whatever it was. We, we've actually made some very shrewd signings there because they're all looking. And, and they, and, and what I like the best is they all like they're buying into it, don't they? Oh, definitely. Everybody looks like they believe what Roy does, and today was brilliant. I, I think Tomkins again today, Luca. Townsend, everyone you've mentioned, I mean, no one had a bad game, really. Saha was a bit quiet, but no one had a really bad game today. No, definitely not. I, you know, Tompkins is one, I, I'm saying this a few times recently, I'm starting to not understand why he hasn't had a look in internationally. Uh, I know he's been unlucky with a few injuries at Palace. And, you know, now those are kind of behind him, I think. I don't know. I think it's very unlikely when he hasn't been in any, any squads he's going to get into the final <laughs> squad for the World Cup. But um, I look at who, who else is in there, and I think, you know, he's as he's as good as any of them, if not better. Um, and it's I possibly position. Yeah, well, exactly. And then you look at Townsend as well. And you think, well, we must have a shout of getting back in as well with the way he's playing. Um, so, just cool. to, just to say something on that, um, I was listening to um, Jim White's show on Talk Sport the other day, and this is the kind of bias you have against um, sides like Palace. They were talking about whether Fossey Mensah should have been included in the England squad. And I was like, well, first of all, he hasn't played. Second of all, he's Dutch. Um, but you haven't mentioned you haven't mentioned Tompkins at all. You've just mentioned a man who isn't English for the English team. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah. I don't listen to it, but that is incredible. Absolutely yeah, incredible. A, guy, a guy texted in about it and he read it out. And I was like, you really should have done your research before reading that out. That is breathtaking. <laughs> but I, I'm, again, I you know, 
it is what it is, isn't it? I guess um, we we know that we know there's bias there, but um, you know Southgate saw them all. Um, it was the Leicester game, wasn't it? That he was at Sellers Park for Gareth Southgate, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So you know he's, he's seen those players at their best, and oh, you know hopefully he notices it and rewards it because I think we got a lot. Our English players have got a lot to offer. Um, all right, I think I think we're going to leave it there. Um, little bit of a shorter one today and obviously that's uh you know that's that's it from us thank you to mike and thank you to jamie for joining me at fairly short notice because we're a bit disorganized this week cheers to mikey for producing of course no more preview shows no more shows until next week where you'll join us for i'm sure the very last ever homestead radio thank you goodbye It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.